on the flip side of that, I, and especially in our party, there's a problem with this idolization of candidates, definitely with the Trump world and, and trickles down from there. But these people that believe that their candidate is their savior and they can do no wrong and they have to do, they have to agree with everything. I think it was Mary Koch said once, you know, if you agree with me nine times out of 10, vote for me. If you agree with me 10 times out of 10, see a psychiatrist. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and, if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. So I have with me today, Nicole Dooley, who is a former Hill staffer, a GOP operative, and most importantly in my world, the executive director of Pocketbook Project, which is kind of my my pet project and my baby. And Nicole takes very good care of it and makes sure that it grows. But I wanted her on today because we are embarking on election season. And as the weather is getting nicer, I start to get really excited. I start to feel campaign. The air smells like campaigns, smells like door knocking, smells like standing out with signs and putting signs on people's lawns and really terrible barbecues and chicken (laughs) rubber chicken dinners and the whole nine yards. And then in the fall, I get that smell again of ah, it is election season. This is the time that campaign should begin. It's an exciting time because we get to see all the new candidates that are coming out, who's working for those candidates, really importantly, I think, because kind of like having a friend, it is who you surround yourself with. Are you surrounding yourself with people who are liked and respected? Are you surrounding yourself by the biggest asshole that there is <laughs> in the business? Or, and I don't care what side you're on, by the way, that is the truth on both sides. Having good people around you is one of the toughest things as a candidate to find and nail, making sure everyone gets along and uh, making sure that you have a good relationship with your campaign team. And so I was super fortunate to get to know Nicole when I ran for Boston City Council. And we both hail from the same area in New York, which uh, is kind of, or was kind of, the last Republican bastion um, strongholds or political machine in the country. And so we both had excellent training. And then both of us somehow or another found ourselves living in Massachusetts, where uh, the Republican Party is mm, less than desirable uh, and less than functional for numerous reasons. Um, 
And so we are kind of the team that tries to hold things together here. But wherever you are in any blue state that you're in, you might have the same issue with uh, your Republican Party not uh, not functioning the way it's supposed to, kind of maybe sort of feeling like it's the back room at the bar in one of the Star Wars scenes, having a message that's looking in the rearview mirror and not being, I use this term in a different sense than political sense, but progressive, looking forward, looking you know, in the direction that we want to go in and that the world is going in. So if you find yourself in that situation, that's where organizations like Pocketbook Project come in. Nicole, thank you so much for being on with me today. I'm so excited to talk to you about the thing we love the most. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Awesome. Do you feel the same way I do looking at who's coming out, who's running, who's who's picking who for lieutenant governor and who's deciding to run statewide? And mm-hmm. it's like a big chessboard. Yeah. And I, I loved your description in the beginning. You know, it smells like campaign season. That's how my husband and I met uh, was door knocking down on Cape Cod. And I spent five years working in politics on Long Island and just thinking about, you know, door knocking into the Hamptons. It was something <laughs> else. So, you know, I just, I love, it's, it, people think of politics as, you know, being such a dirty or, you know, vicious thing, but it really is a fun thing to do with and surrounding yourself with like-minded people and, and people you love and people that are smart and people that, you know, boast you up and, and that's what it's about. So that's, you know, that's the good thing about the fall coming. And, you know, it's so you say that and it's funny because you and I kind of, you know, had the same beginnings in that grassroots door knocking and we're really, I think, also a privilege of working for people we liked. Right. Like really, really liking the people. And I always said I couldn't work for someone that I wouldn't want to throw myself in front of a bus for. Right. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, I mean, I wouldn't throw myself in front of a bus for anyone but my kids, but, <laughs> you know, I, I would, I was more than happy to talk about them and know about them and learn about their families and their backgrounds and what, what propelled them to get into politics. And that's one of the things you learn right? When you're door knocking with a candidate right. is you have that kind of one-on-one time. I mean, walking around the Hamptons is you know, you have those long driveways and those (laughs) long streets. And I remember my favorite boss and walking around with him when he was first running. And there were, you know, maybe eight of us walking in the middle of the street and I'm just chit-chatting with him. And he's still one of my closest and dearest friends. And our relationship was built by first campaigning. And I never Mm -hmm. thought I was going to go work for him, but it just ended up that we hit it off. And, you know, I was, I did, I, I protected him and he would say for a long time that I was his bulldog. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Walking around door knocking with a candidate, you see them in a totally different light than, than you do when they're on a debate stage or, you know, they're speaking to a crowd. Um, It's your, it's real life. They're talking to real people and it's a great way to get to know a candidate and get closer with them. So there's a great 
Um, you're, you know, I don't know if you had ever seen this, but I'm going to tell you, and now you need to go. And if I haven't told you before, and you haven't heard me say this before, you're going to have to go look this up, which is there is an old will and grace episode that of course, like it, it was the funniest thing to me being in politics, because it's so true that this happens. So grace found a a candidate, they were supporting different candidates for the same position. And Grace found a um, Black man who she thought was going to be super progressive. And Will found a gay guy, because he was gay, he found a gay guy who he thought was going to be totally on board with everything that he, his agenda, just based on, you know, what they looked like or what their characteristic was. And when they had a fundraiser, they were having a meet and greet in their in their apartment for each of them. They both found out that the candidate that they were supporting was completely opposite of any of their views, any of their own personal agenda, anything that they would say to their friends. And they were horrified. And then they decided, you know, they agreed that they kind of both went off the rails. Right. And I think that that's such a. An interesting thing, especially in life today, when we see the people who are elected to office, when we, you know, when we see, I mean, even looking in Congress um, at the president's State of the Union address, if you see the people who are standing and applauding versus the people who are heckling and sitting, if you see the grandstanding by some members of Congress and then others who are just head down doing their work, I think that so much of of why people feel like they need to support someone at an arm's length is because they don't really know that person and Mm -hmm. they just get what they get, especially today off of social media, but they don't actually know. And I always think it's so good to get to know someone because, you know, like my campaign office, right? Like you had your dog, I had my kid, someone else had their baby. We, you know, we had like a menagerie of stuff going on yeah. in, the, in the office. And that's how you get to know people when you see them in their raw form of, you know, when they're vulnerable, when they're able to put on their thick skin, when they're exhausted, when they're exhilarated, right? And that's the only way you get to know. And I think that's why we get so excited at this time of year, because you you know that there are candidates out there that you get to meet and then you're excited for and you want to help those them out more. Right. Absolutely. And you know, it is so important to get to know a candidate and, you know, find someone that you align with and, and you really believe in. But on the flip side of that, I, and especially in our party, there's a problem with this idolization of candidates, definitely with the Trump world and, and trickles down from there. But these people that believe that their candidate is their savior and they can do no wrong and they have to do, they have to agree with everything. I think it was Mary Koch said once, you know, if you agree with me nine times out of 10, vote for me. If you agree with me 10 times out of 10, see a psychiatrist. 
Uh, and there's there's not enough of that either. You know, there has to be a, a good middle ground there. That that's true, and I love that. I I forgot that he said that. I usually use Reagan's principle, the eighty twenty. But you know, gotcha. Yeah. That that's that's exactly it. And you know, you're. I had to bring a little New York in. Yeah, I love it. I love it. No, it's perfect. And I mean, I just think that that it's it makes so much sense, right? Because um, you you shouldn't idolize. This is one thing that I always kind of get fired up about. Um, and I've talked about before is why do we treat elected officials or candidates like they're celebrities? I mean, first of all, mm-hmm. if you're running for office, you need to fundraise that, right? That's our number one thing that we say to people when they decide to run for office is you have to fundraise and there are certain goals you have to meet and you have to hit. So you're essentially begging people for money. So that's number one. Number two, when you do get elected, if you are fortunate enough to get elected, you're paid by the taxpayer's dollars. So why anyone would look at a a candidate as the savior, um, really it's all of us. I was having lunch with someone earlier and she said, um, you know, my pet peeve, and I wrote to my state rep, my state senator, my pet peeve is that with takeout, they, even if you check the box that says no utensils, still get utensils. And she said, I just feel like we're damaging the environment by doing that. And I said to her, you know what? That is a gigantic pet peeve of mine too. I checked that box, I'm getting takeout, it's my home. I clearly have silverware. (laughs) And so why are you giving me utensils? I'm not eating on a park bench someplace. And if I wanted them, I could request them instead of just wasting. And she goes, well, you know, you're kind of higher up than I am. Maybe you can have a conversation with someone. I said, no, 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 no. Like we need you. You you know, my voice is, is one that they hear enough. They don't need to hear from, but yours is a different voice. And so it's important that they remember that they work Mm -hmm. for you and that just one person could make a difference and can begin legislation and, and, you know, make a change. And so, um, and, and I think it happens. I mean, it definitely happens on both sides, right? Like you think of how uh, very, very liberal um, folks are infatuated with our very own unfortunate Elizabeth Warren or AOC Mm. or uh, Tlaib or, you know, any of those, um, you know, the squad members and the obsession with them. And, you know, I, I mean, AOC going to the Met Gala I'm never going to let anyone forget that mm-hmm. AOC went to the Met Gala and, you know, with a $35,000 ticket that no one, even if they could afford it, could actually go to that because they're not invited, um, you know, didn't show up in a Prius and wore a dress by a designer, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but yet, you know, she's treated and, and treated as if she's a celebrity because who else is going to that, right? Paris Hilton and maybe not even her. The, the far left are the, the biggest hypocrites and there is in the world and they don't get called out for it the way the right does. And, you know, even, and if anyone on our side is a hypocrite that way, they should get called out, Yeah, but it doesn't happen on their side of the aisle. 
And that's why I think, I mean, of course, I am in favor of term limits. I'm in favor of ranked choice voting for these reasons, because everyone should be, if you're elected to office or if you're running for office, you should always be held accountable and you should be scared and you should be concerned you're going to lose your seat and you shouldn't be entitled to, like we have in Massachusetts, the benefit of incumbency because our our donor limits are only $1,000 a year. So if you're in office for 20 years, you're able to raise $1,000 per person per year. You have a nice war chest. If you're just Mm -hmm. starting out, unless you can self-fund, you have some other issues. And so, um, you know, we have that going. But I think it's, you know, when you look at today and, and going back to the hypocrisy on the left, and when we're encouraging women to run for office, you see the hypocrisy that goes on, right? I mean, the president in his own speech in the State of the Union made reference to the fallen police officers in New York City, young men who gave their life in the in line of service, and in the same breath said the need for police reform. Well, they didn't do anything to cause their deaths other than show up to work that day and protect the people that they made an oath to serve. Right. These liberal policies like cashless bail that are being implemented in New York City that is causing this uptick of violence. Right. And and progressive DAs that are saying, well, we're not going to, we need to be concerned about the rights of accused. Well, what about the rights of the victims? What about the rights of the families of those mm-hmm. victims? They're, you know, a four-year-old gets punched in the face, but that's okay. A woman gets stabbed to death by someone sleeping under her bed or gets thrown into a subway. You know, the mask mandates, right? I mean, Stacey Abrams going out and taking a picture with a class of 35-year-olds who are in masks, but she takes off her mask so that way everyone could see her face and she could put it out there as campaign information. Well, that Mm -hmm. kind of slapped her in the face a little bit for taking that mask off as it should have because the hypocrisy of it. And, you know, we see how our kids are suffering today. We see what's going on. I mean, even teachers are just done with the mask mandates and all the mandates that are making the kids in their class depressed are making them anxious or making them have other issues in the classroom. They can't teach, the kids can't see their faces and they're having behavioral issues, right? So I think it's one of those moments in time right now where the work that we do is so important because you have all these people out there who are either, you know, like we have in Massachusetts with the Republican Party, just wanting to profess Trump, or you have Democrats that are just professing these terrible, terrible policies that are really hurting us. Right. And, and you know, all those issues you just named, you know, the masks and everything. There's so many people, um, especially women and, and mothers right now that have never been involved or, you know, cared so much about politics, especially local politics that are fired up right now. And, and I want to take it back to what you just said about the utensils in the bag and that woman that came to you for help. You know what? That's, that's something that can kickstart your campaign. You know, I was, there's all these very small offices on local levels that are so important. Um, so, you know, you, on a daily basis, you see the change that, that they do more than you'll see your federal representatives do. Um, so if utensils in a bag is firing up, firing you up, you should run for office. 
right? I, I, that is exactly what I had said to her. What, right? It's like the you can effectuate a change more than you know most other people can because you're passionate about that. And when I and I was saying to her when I ran for office, one of the things that was making me crazy. And it's like a, a slippery slope of things that happen, but the um, the homeless uh, homeless and uh, drug abused population had been expanding, and they would walk through the alleyways. And I always take great care. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of this in my very organized organized life of making sure that my recyclables are are bagged a certain way and they're all together my trash is together well the homeless people would come over rip open the garbage bags put the garbage into the recycling put the recycling in the garbage and then there'd be garbage in my recycling it, it would make me crazy i'd wake up every morning on trash morning and be like oh my god i've got to go outside and like here i am digging through the trash and then there's trash rolling down the alleyways and then landing in the Charles River. And I'm like, well, you know, not for nothing, but if we're concerned about the environment, maybe someone needs to actually run on this issue, which is a very local issue, but it's a reason to run. It's a reason to run for office. Um, So Nicole, you'll love this. Um, I recently went to vote in, um, I moved out of the city and as you know, and I, um, I recently went to vote in the town that I live in and um, I haven't voted in a town election in over 20 years, 22 years. And so I go and I vote and there are all these positions out there, which of course we know about, but you know, I, I need to, uh, to talk about like town meeting and moderator and trustee of the library and library board. And I'm going through all these positions. There are 30, you could vote for up to 30 people for town meeting. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was actually today collecting signatures for myself for town meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. See, that's the way you start. And I was like, and a couple of my friends are on town meeting. And I said, it's so cool. Like, I don't think, especially one of my girlfriends that's on town meeting, um, I, I don't think that she realizes that she's actually running for office, right? I think that she just thinks that she's doing a public service, which public service is running for office and and working for someone, you know, who's in office. And so it's really cool to see and to look at in a different lens, but how much they effectuate the policies that go on in your town and that they're really connected to the, um, the ground game of politics in the towns that you live in. And those are, you know, exactly the women that we try to help. And, you know, organizations like Pocketbook Project, like Women's Public Leadership Network, that you and I alone in our own consulting worlds try to help um, to recognize what their value is, recognize that, yes, plastic utensils is a reason to actually run for some sort of local office. Not going to get you elected to Congress, but but, I mean, you have to start somewhere and you have to get the bug and you have to get out there and you have to campaign and you have to build up your grassroots organization and you have to do a little fundraising and you have to send out little postcards and like you're doing, going and getting signatures. 
it's, it's a whole process. Yeah, that's, that's been one of my favorite things of moving to Massachusetts, um, you know, coming from New York where you have a town council of, you know, four or five or six, usually men that make seven figures and have a full pension. And yeah. here you have a couple hundred members of town meeting that do the same thing. Um, and you really are so involved in, in the tiniest little decisions in the town. Um, I remember one year we were voting on um, leash laws for cats because <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> it did not pass. Um, but you really, it is a great place. I don't even want to say a great place to start it because it is a great place to continue to be involved with um, your, your town government, you know, whether it's town meeting or it's um, a town-wide position. You mentioned library of the trustees, school board, health, board of health, anything like that. Um, and that's, that's what we are here for, Pocketbook, trying to get more, um, more women, especially right of center women involved in those positions. So let's go back to school board. So this was one of the interesting things. So um, there were two folks on uh, running for school board, both were men. Um, and I did my digging, you know, to find out. So I am on a, um, of course I out myself on like every single conversation. So, you know, when, when, <laughs> when someone listens and you, then, you know, I'm talking about you. So, um, I am on a group text and I stay quiet on the group text. I, I, cause I'm kind of new into this area. And so I stay quiet on the group text. Um, but I'm on there and, and this is, <laughs> you're going to love this. So, um, right before the election, this text went around, like, you know, vote for this woman who apparently everyone knows and everyone likes, and she's friends with everyone. So, and I've heard her name over and over again, definitely get her elected. Okay. Then it went to, and vote for this person for school committee. I was like, uh-oh, here's a problem. These are non-political people who don't know the politics of the other people who are telling people who to vote for. Now, the one person was like mom, woman, and again, everyone knows, stop the conversation there, <laughs> but it went on. And then someone else gave a thumbs down to the person, then started posting YouTube videos, then started like saying all this other stuff because they don't like the superintendent of the schools. And so I, <laughs> I was just sitting there and I texted one of my friends separately and said, this is what happens when people who are not in the business start having conversations over text with people that they don't know their political <laughs> positions. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and you could see how she was kind of, this other woman was getting a little bit bullied for her belief. Ends up that the person that she was voting for, I think was more traditional type of candidate. But I mean, that's, you know, I was glad to see, and hopefully at some point I can insert myself into this group and, and have let them know who I am. And you, you know, you could see like the conversation was really only between these two women and everyone else kind of was smart enough to stay out. Um, but to encourage them to, yes, have those conversations, but, you know, know who it is you're voting for, why it is. And if it's the traditional person versus the, you know, other candidate. Um, and then, you know, I did my own digging with other friends that live in town. And so there is the more, again, the more traditional candidate who I don't think, um, 
I, I, I don't know. But I mean, you know, you see everything that has been going on on school boards, all you know, for the past eight months, um, where you have parents yelling at school board members because school board members are out of cocktail parties, not wearing masks, but their kids are in school wearing a mask or their kids mm-hmm. haven't been in school, um, you know, and the teachers are out at dinner or not the teachers, the, you know, the school board members or the union members are out having dinners and no masks. And so parents are getting pissed off, which is a great reason to, again, great reason to run. And if that's your thing, you should run for school board, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, you shouldn't run for Congress. <laughs> you should right. run, run for the thing that's, that you're actually passionate about. Right. And, and that's the that's the mistake I think so many people make, um, especially here in Massachusetts. People just come out of the woodwork to run for Congress or Senate or they just keep losing and run for governor. <laughs> but it's, you know, you can, no one in particular we're discussing. <laughs> you can affect change on the local level way more than on this federal level. And it's, you know, I just wish more people, I guess it's, you know, it's not as sexy to run for school board as it is to run for Congress, but it's in a way can be more important. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely, well, I mean, I ran for Boston city council. So of course I think it's more important to run on the local yeah. level. Um, but I mean, I, you know what, Nicole, I think what, I think there are two, um, two issues here that we've had. So um you know, and we could kind of say this, I mean, of course, I'm not an outsider after 22 years, but um, I think we have two issues. The more recent issue is what I call the Scott Brown effect, right? Scott was such a natural politician. And so um, it, he, he just, it's, it seemed because he rose to such national uh, news and attention because it was a special election after Ted Kennedy died. Um, after Ted Kennedy died, who was a long-term senator in Massachusetts, and uh, you know the liberal lion, and and you know did so much here when he passed away and his seat became vacant, there was a um, election between the then Attorney General of Massachusetts, who is a terrible candidate. And Scott Brown. Well, Scott Brown was a selectman in his town. Then he became a state rep. Then he became a state senator. Then he ran for U.S. Senate. And for some reason, people forget that progression, right? Mm -hmm. And I always say, try to say to candidates, if you want to run, start local. Start with a thing in your backyard. Start with a thing you, you know, pull out of your driveway and there's a truck sitting there and you can't get around it. That's, that's a local issue. Start with that, Mm -hmm. right? Start with people blowing through stop signs or they're not being a stop sign on a corner and there being an accident. Like Mm -hmm. that's where you should start. And so I think that the Scott Brown effect is one thing that people think, oh, well, he did it. I could be governor. I could be U.S. senator. I could run for Congress. And mm-hmm. it's like you have no business doing any of those things. You should really be doing something locally. Number one. Number two. I think the other thing that we see, and and I don't think is, I mean, New York was definitely different. New Jersey is a little bit different, just because we're both Italian, and so it's maybe not as bad. 
if you're listening and you're Italian, don't take this the wrong way. I am Italian, despite my last name, but it's kind of like the mafia effect, right? In New York and New Jersey, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you have the boss, the party boss, who's like the boss. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a political <laughs> machine. There. It's a political machine and you have to raise through the ranks and you have to kiss the ring. And I mean, I remember getting, you know, basically metaphorically slapped around because I didn't kiss the ring of the guy who had gone to jail and was out and, you know, was the second in line to command. And, you know, I got in trouble and I remember mm-hmm. thinking, are you serious? Like, what is this? There's none of that here in Massachusetts, at least. And I think a lot of other blue, smaller states, it's the same way where there's no actual party structure, right? When I was mm-hmm. chair, I tried to bring that structure in a little bit more in saying to people, listen, let me give you some guidance. I know you want to run for Congress one day, but here's the thing. You haven't run for anything and you need to raise millions of dollars. Why don't you try raising like 50 <laughs> for yeah. a local election and then come back? And then we can talk about that after you win and you're in office for a little bit. Um, you know, I think there's also the issue that a lot of blue states face with their state parties that aren't strong is that there's no succession planning. There's a lot of retreads. Um, you know, we have a bunch of them running for statewide office right now. Right. And, you know, there you you lost before and you lost before that. And what makes you think you're going to actually win now? Now, that's not to say if you've lost one election, you shouldn't run again and, and win. Most likely you're going to win the second time. But when you're in your third or fourth round and yeah. <laughs> you still haven't won, you should call it a day. Mm-hmm. And there's no one who's telling candidates hey, look, maybe it's someone else's turn. There's no one out there who it has a bench of people who, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he was on his way out from the Patriots, right? You have your next quarterback. You have your mm-hmm. one after that. You have people on the bench. There's no one who, um, who we ever have on a bench, which I think is really unfortunate. And again, that's why you need local, first of all, on local, right? There's no party. So you don't go in there. It's not designated by party. You don't have an R, you don't have a D, you don't have anything else. Number one. Number two, it's it's really issue based. So it's a little bit easier to get in, get your feet wet. See if you actually like it. I mean, because I think a lot of people either one are introverts and don't like campaigning or are extroverts and love campaigning. And then you get to the job and then the job is dreadfully boring. You know, you have people who hate you, a lot of people who hate you and you're not getting paid. (laughs) You're not getting compensated, you know, in a, in a big way. So I think, you know, or anything at all, usually or anything at all. Right. Especially in like a town meeting and that like super local, local positions. Yeah. Even, even like being on the select board in a town, that's a lot of work or the finance committee. It's a lot of work and you don't get at least in my town, I don't know if any, any town does compensate, but you don't get anything. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's really important. And I think it, you know, this is the time that people should start looking at what races there are and how long has the person been in that office and are they doing, take a look at their votes. I mean, right. Like if we're going to go back and, and start saying to, you know, at this point, because I think we just jump onto campaigns because we know the people, right? And so mm-hmm. it's easy to say, I want to help you because I know you. And, you know, one of um, 
my traits and this is everyone is different in in why they decide to help someone but for me it is i if i'm friends with you and you decide to run for office i don't care what party you're with i want to support you because you're my friend and my feeling is if we're friends and you win then you're i always have access to you as my friend to be able to talk to you and to bring you an opposing view. So I would rather have someone I know in there than someone who's on the same side as me, but will never ever have a conversation because they're so close-minded. And so, you know, I'd rather have that. Um, but I think, you know, now is a good time if you have been sitting around and not happy with the way, the direction that you're city or town is going in, that your um, community is going in, that your area is going in, you don't like the way that your state house is functioning, you really think that you can run for Congress because you've run for something else before, start taking note of the votes that your elected officials have taken, because that's all public information, and start looking at what they're voting on. Even if there's not a voice vote, there's a number and you can easily figure out what's the number of Republicans versus Democrats and who's been voting how and call your elected official out on the votes that they're taking and maybe start thinking about running for office based upon making a change. Because I'll tell you, like when you're even on a losing campaign or a, I would just like to say a non-victorious campaign, Sometimes what happens is you make the incumbent a better legislator because they are worried that they're going to get challenged another time. And they now know that you're watching their votes, even though you're not the person in there. I think it's important because you shouldn't let someone go unchallenged. You should challenge them. You should challenge incumbents and you should, especially if they're not doing their job and they're not representing your area. And that's easier to say for a state assembly or a state representative um, than it is obviously for Congress, which is a much larger area, or for a statewide office holder, which of course no one knows what like the auditor does or the treasurer does or the secretary of state does. But you know, and they're not taking votes on anything. But you can make sure that the investments that the treasurer is making are not going to Russia. And you know, we're not investing in something that you know, we're helping a country that is, uh, you know, non-democratic, you can, there are so many things, right, that you can look at and say, here's why I'm going to run for this office. Right. And, and that's what Pocketbook Project is here for, too. So if you're fired up about, you know, what's going on in Ukraine right now, or you're fired up about utensils being put in your takeout bag, you know, we can help you, you know, find you know, where you live and what offices are, you know, have open seats and what would be a good fit for you to run. Um, so we're, we're always here for that. Well, and craft the message too, right? The, the whole messaging point. I mean, if you're upset about trash being, you know, strewn around in your, in your alleyway and you want to run on that, but you don't know how to craft a message, that's what organizations yeah. help with. And, and quite frankly, state parties can't help with that, right? Because you're not sitting there crafting messages for every local candidate. You're doing kind of a one size fits all thing. But, you know, it's nice to know that even if it is a 
overall overarching message. What is that message? How do I craft that? How do I get my point across mm-hmm. um, to be able to communicate that and to have those conversations with folks on the street or outside the grocery store? Right. Because we're, we're a nonpartisan um, group. So, you know, we don't have a party platform. We don't have an agenda. You know, we're we're just here to help good candidates that believe in fiscal responsibility and, you know, working one on one with them. Ooh, ooh, you hit on something good, good candidates like like people who could actually win an election or have really good, solid messaging exactly. or or people actually want to listen to and talk to. <laughs> sounds like you have a brain cell. <laughs> Again, not speaking about anyone in particular. <laughs> but it's always good to have candidates that sound as if they know what they're talking about. <laughs> and not following talking points from, you know, any other particular <laughs> campaign. <laughs> um I guess my last thing is, you know, if anyone is thinking of running for office, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is, you know, including the messaging for them, um, you know, and making sure that they have their network. I mean, because if you're really sitting at home, you've been working remotely, you haven't talked to a single person in two years, you know, you might want to wait a little bit until you're back out and seeing people and you have polished your social skills. It's a sales job. Yeah. uh, Fundraising, I think, is quite often one of the biggest hindrances of people running. Um, It's scary. You know, it's hard to ask people for money. Um, Again, though, that's, you know, that's one of the things we train people how to do, um, because once you make that first ask, the second, the third, the fourth, they become easier and easier. Well, it's almost as it's kind of like getting your first job right? You get your Mm -hmm. first job and you're really nervous and you're not really sure what to do and how to act. And you get there on time and you have conversations, then you get your first paycheck. And then you're like, I like this. I like that $14. (laughs) I just, I just went into my account out of the 35 that I thought I made. And, you know, and then it keeps building and then you feel really good. Right. And then it's like, well, I want to get another job because I like having money in my pocket. It's almost the same with fundraising first phone call you make and you get, you know, someone says yes to you, then it propels you to make another phone call and another phone call and another phone call. And generally, if someone is giving you money, then they want their friends to also give you money because Mm -hmm. they've now bought into what you had to say. I think at this point where we've seen so much hypocrisy coming out of our elected officials, where parents, especially moms, are so much more in tune with what is going on in the world, what's going on with their kids, with their learning. I don't care if you have a one-year-old or you have a 28-year-old, it doesn't matter. And it also doesn't matter even if you have an elderly parent who has been afraid of their own shadow, who has been stuck in the house, who hasn't been able to socialize and has really declined in their mental health because of not having those interactions, wherever you are in the spectrum, I think the past two years should propel you to say, I've been talking so much to my friends about these issues. Why don't we do something else? Why don't I run? Or why don't I tell my friend to run? 
And then that's your messaging. And then the next part of it is the fundraising, which we're all naturals doing because we all sit on different boards. We all do fundraising for schools and for our communities and for our church or whatever it is. And so the fundraising is kind of a natural piece. Then we get our great candidates that we're always so excited to work with because they've got all the makings of of winning. And we know that women win at the same rate as men. They just have to put themselves out there. Exactly. And and even on a local level, I, I do think it is easier to get started fundraising and ask for money because when you're making that ask, you know, you're presenting issues that are really going to affect, you know, your neighbors that you're asking the money for. Whereas if you're running for, you know, statewide or federal office, it's, you know, it, it's not affecting them as much on a personal level. It's not about, you know, the new school being built down the street or the sidewalk that needs to get fixed. And I yeah. remember that was one of your big issues. I remember you always talked about sidewalks. <laughs> city council. Yeah, because I used to watch Gemma on her little scooter go down the street and there were always missing bricks. And I kept thinking, oh my God, she is going to smash her face open one day. I'm going to be at the oral surgeon and cosmetic dentist getting her whole mouth fixed of like baby teeth. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, so it, it, it is, it, those are issues. And by the way, those local issues affect every single person because there's not one person who walks down the street and says, oh, no, we should have a gaping hole in the bricks on a sidewalk, or my car should hit that pothole. Everyone thinks, damn it, who's going to fix up the freaking thing, right? And so as opposed to when you're running for Congress, you're running because of something you're passionate about, but there are so many federal issues, right? So you might be passionate about the military, but someone else doesn't care as much. You might be, hopefully we're all passionate about our taxes and where our money is going and the inflation and the fact that gas, oh my God, I mean, God bless you in California, you know, Massachusetts, I filled up my car yesterday and it was 460 a gallon. Mm -hmm. I was like, geez, I am a single mom. That is just robbery at this point. But I mean, you know, on a wait list for an electric car. God. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a good way. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a way for Biden to get his electric cars, but if you can't afford it, what do you do? Right. And, and so it's, it, I I think that the, the issues that deal with the federal government are so vast and everyone has something that they're super passionate about, but I think on the local level, everyone pretty much, you live in a community, you're invested in that community and you know, the issues that are going on. So that is our little pitch for running for office and campaign season coming up. And I mean, you know, wherever you are, we are happy to help you because even if it is not pocketbook project um, that can help you, we have partners around the entire country from New Jersey and Georgia and Virginia and uh, Louisiana and Michigan and Colorado and California and Iowa, and I'm sure I'm missing other people, but there are folks all over the place, um, who can help. And so, um, you know, wherever you are, uh, you can let us know, shoot us a, an email. Um, you can always find me at Jennifer Nassour on Twitter, and I'm happy to help you or email at political contessa. And Nicole is always happy to help you at Pocketbook Project. So um, yep, our, our email is team at pocketbookproject.org. Thank you very much. 
Um, any other parting words, Nicole, on uh, on campaigning and getting out there, getting excited to run? Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, all politics are is local. Uh. And I just, I'm, it's something I'm very passionate about is, is people getting more involved locally. So that's, that's my pitch is, is, and those elections are coming up um, in Massachusetts, at least most are in the spring in um, April. So yeah. And not only that, I think, I mean, you know, we have a friend in California and she's going to be a, uh, a guest coming up, but um, she has her primary coming up in like, I think a hundred days. So, you know, there are candidates out there, even if you're not running for office, go help someone, go find that candidate who agrees, you know, with a couple of your positions at least, um, and go help that person win because I think that that's so important, right? And Nicole, I also just want to say, so you hit both New York with Koch and then you hit Massachusetts with Tip O'Neill. <laughs> Good job referencing. I'm bipartisan too. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we're not quoting any Republicans, just the Democrats, <laughs> but they had, they had good lines. So, well, Nicole, thank you so much for being on with me today on Political Contessa. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My hope is that you listen, you're inspired, and you want to run for office. And look, even though I am always encouraging you to run for office, and I think that that's so important, it is even more important to talk about the issues, talk about them reasonably, talk about them respectfully, know what you're talking about, do your research, listen to all stations, make your own opinion. Don't just take it from Tucker Carlson or uh, what's her name on MSNBC. I'm not even going to talk about it. Rachel Maddow. Um, Don't just listen to them. Make your own opinions. Have your own voice and be able to talk to your friends about what your concerns are. Find a candidate that you align with. And I referenced Reagan earlier. Reagan had this 80-20 principle, which was if you agree with me 80% of the time, I'm not your enemy. And, and we don't have to agree a hundred percent. I like to say, I don't agree with most people that I love even like 60% of the time. So you don't expect a complete stranger to agree with you all the time, but go and help someone get elected. That is going to take your view, take your thoughts and put them into action. And sometimes that's a friend. And sometimes that's a friend on a different side of the aisle. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Political Contessa. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Contessa.com.